0: Hello and welcome. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Graeme Leach and I'd like to begin by thanking your church leaders for giving me this opportunity to share in your online Sunday activities. I conducted a couple of services at Muckert and Dollar towards the end of your last vacancy about two years ago now. And I'm delighted to be back with you sharing again. In his translation of the New Testament, called The Message, this is how Eugene Peterson translates the closing verses of Matthew chapter 11. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. I'll show you how to take a rest. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or all-fitting on you. Keep company with me, Jesus says, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. A sentence of prayer. Today we come to you, Lord, responding to Jesus' invitation to come to him with our worries and burdens and to claim his promised rest. Be with us, as though separated, we meet together now. Speak into our lives what you want to say to us and what we most need to hear. Amen.
1: Our first reading is Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and evermore. Our next reading is from Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 7 to 9. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me.
0: The Bible is a book of history and also a compendium of theology. But it's also one of the most practical and down-to-earth books in the entire world it addresses life as it is painting pictures of a god who cares about us a god who is deeply interested in us and a god who wants to help us in our lives we find many such pictures of god in the old testament book of psalms the psalm i want us to think about to feed on spiritually because our spiritual well-being is at the end of the day as important as our physical well-being is Sam 121 now as many of you will know 121 is shorthand for the church establishment because the headquarters of the church of scotland is at 121 george street in edinburgh but what sam 121 can teach us is probably more important than most of the things that 121 tries to tell us. I'm going to make an assumption because it isn't certain. The assumption is this, that David is the author of this psalm. It's a psalm with many practical and important lessons for our lives, right from the start. The very first verse of Psalm 121 reveals that when the psalm was written, Its author simply wasn't in a good place. He was needing help. If the author was David, then perhaps he he was out in the hills because he was a shepherd boy. And perhaps he had been looking at the surrounding hills and musing. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? The I at the beginning of verse 1 is a particular I, and that particular I is someone in need of help. Now, the Bible characterizes humankind in its entirety and every individual who has ever lived apart from Jesus Christ as helpless. While we were yet helpless, Paul writes in Romans 5 and 6, Christ died for the ungodly so get this in the bible helplessness is pictured as our natural human condition this may seem a depressing fact but it is in fact or can be a comforting fact as well in the bible helplessness is pictured as our natural human condition now from time to time we all make mistakes For the most part the mistakes we make aren't too serious and although we may feel disappointed in ourselves and regret them, we recover and hopefully the harm to other people is limited. But occasionally we do something really silly or really stupid, something that causes a great deal more harm and sometimes to the very folk we love the most. And then we get angry with ourselves and we feel really bad, I'm useless. Is the way we might put it. The good news is that in such situations we're usually no different from anybody else. Our helplessness and hopelessness isn't unique. The silliness and stupidity that makes us act as we do, even if the actual mistakes we make differ, is actually common to humankind. The psalm begins then with someone like you and me. Someone who's far from perfect and someone who's in great need of help. In the second half of that first verse, David muses, Where's my help? Where's what'll help me? I lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? David declares. David isn't saying he's going to look up to the hills or the mountains for help, because in his day, That was actually where the pagan gods were worshipped and where pagan cults practiced their rituals. No, David was expressing a determination to look up beyond even the mountains and to look above to Jehovah, his God. What a sensible approach to his difficulties. In our troubles, we can do a number of things. Looking down is one option. It's always easy when we fail others or let God down. It's the easiest thing in the world when we do, to become despondent and introspective. But that simply begets self-pity. And it's no way, certainly not the best way, to handle our problems when we have them. Wallowing in the mire of our own failures is easy enough to do. It comes without effort. But spiritually it's extremely destructive. It's just what the devil wants us to do, because it leads to despair. Looking down in our troubles and struggles is no answer. A wee boy walking through the woods one day was determined not to trip over one of the many half-concealed roots along his leafy path. So keeping his head down and fixing his eyes on his feet, he walked head first into the first tree. Looking down is an option, but it's not a good one. Another option, though, is looking out. Looking out is a better option than the first one because it consists of looking to others, looking to our families, our partners, our brothers and sisters, or to family, friends or neighbours, or perhaps sometimes even looking to professionals, folk with professional skills in counselling, or psychiatry or medicine or finance or even car mechanics depending on what our particular problem is looking to them to help us it's interesting that in the book of books of kings and chronicles when any of the 12 tribes of israel is under attack from hostile powers it sends to the other tribes of israel to come to its aid in the same way it's wise not to keep our troubles to ourselves the aphorism that a problem shared is a problem halved has more than a grain of truth in it. Just as there were times in Israel when it would have been supreme folly for one weak tribe to resist an empire alone, so there are times in our lives when not seeking human help from family members or from others better placed to meet our needs is supreme folly too. Let me tell you this. Whenever it comes to personal troubles, it's never too soon to seek the help of others, and it's never too late to seek the help of others. Yet at the end of the day, there are always limits to the help others can give us. And that's why what I've called looking out isn't enough either. One of the limits of human help is fallibility. And although we hope the advice of family and friends will be good advice, and often it will be, it may sometimes do more harm than good. I think, for example, of the well-meaning exhortation addressed to a clinically depressed teenage girl threatening suicide to grow up for goodness sake, pull yourself together. Well-meaning advice, perhaps, but it just made her feel 10 times worse. And even professionals, though some, of course, are more reluctant to admit it than others, sometimes make mistakes. One of the limits of human help is fallibility. The other one is availability. Sometimes folk may want to help. They may be willing to help, but unable to do so because of the nature of their circumstances or your particular needs. And even if they could help, availability is becoming more and more of a problem nowadays. Have you ever wondered why all of the helplines that you call are always experiencing, quote, a higher volume of calls than normal, but never a lower volume of calls than normal? Does that not make the higher volume of calls and the consequent longer waits? normal. Yes, availability is becoming more of a problem nowadays. Think of the National Health Service. And there are times in life when we need help now and even tomorrow won't do. From whence cometh my help? David asks. Certainly not from looking down. If you look down, then you're likely to bump into the nearest tree or lamppost. Yes, partly from looking out to family and friends or to your fellow Christian believers within the church and when necessary occasionally to professional and skilled counsellors. But David speaks not of looking down or looking out, but of looking up, of lifting up his eyes, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills he says judah the land in which this psalm or song was penned is a land of rugged hills and steep ravines and mountainous terrain and many experts think that this psalm was actually used by the ancient jews on their pilgrimages to the festivals in jerusalem as they journeyed They would travel along the winding paths through the towering hills approaching the city the tops of the hills were special places in the ancient near east and there the many pagan shrines and groves peddled their wares religious superstition abounded there spells were recited magic formula for health and wealth were readily for sale And the cult prostitutes plied their trade well what kind of world was that today in society there is a kind of corresponding look looking up to the hills there are of course those who look up to the hills literally a good walk in the countryside or a brisk walk in the hills can be a wonderful tonic and hard to beat In one of my previous churches there were a number of enthusiastic regular club golfers and sometimes they claimed that they could worship God as easily on a golf course on a Sunday morning as in church. Now golf is certainly an enjoyable pursuit and a few hours on the golf course most enjoyable. But those who were claiming to seek God on the golf course certainly didn't fool me nor I suspect themselves. They were rather worshiping the secular totems of the birdie and the eagle and the par there are those who look up to the hills literally but in today's society there are also people who look up to the hills metaphorically because the most precise parallel to the lifting up of the eyes to the hills spoken of by the author of psalm 121 Is practiced by those who resort to that esoteric blend of ancient religious practice, Eastern religion, and contemporary superstition, which used to be called the New Age. The New Age offered a veritable smorgasbord of spiritual substitutes for Christianity. Nowadays it's offered on social media. It used to be called the New Age movement. Of course, it's no longer new, but it's still very much alive in society today. A religious octopus, if you like, whose tentacles reach out to all, as often to exploit as to aid them. Beware, because whatever you may think or hope, you won't find much help in these things. There is everlastingly imprinted upon my own memory A song I first heard as a child of about seven years old. It was at a Christmas pantomime in the King's Theatre in Edinburgh. And I can still hear it now as though it was yesterday. Which, come to think of, it's a bit frightening because I've heard people say that that's what happens when you're getting old. But this was the song. There's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in my bucket, Dear Liza, a hole. That song reminds me of a verse from Jeremiah chapter 2. My people have forsaken me the springs of living water and have dug their own cisterns, cisterns that cannot hold water. Beware. But now we come to the psalmist's own remedy and the one that he unhesitatingly recommends to us. Not only from the standpoint of his faith, but also, surely, from the standpoint of his own life experience. And that is looking up, not to the hills merely, but above and beyond them, to their Maker, to Jehovah, the Lord, to God himself. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? Here's his answer, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven The good news is that the God to whom the writer of this psalm looked so long ago is the same God to whom you and I can look today, right now, to find the comfort, help and strength that we need, whether in times of occasional misfortune or constant struggle. Now a part of the trouble, of course, is that this idea of God sometimes seems outworn. It's like leaky shoes that have outlived their usefulness and been cast aside. Or clothes now too small that no longer fit and make us feel uncomfortable or embarrassed. Spiritual clothes that cramp us because we've grown out of them. How greatly we need to rediscover an understanding of God that the Bible gives us. Who he is and what he's like. And above all of his disposition towards us as our only and everlasting saviour three things first he is the god of creation itself my help comes from the lord who made heaven and earth do you think that the god who framed the heavens and the earth and has both at his sovereign disposal is unequal to the task of being your helper today Is not the power by which Jesus Christ was raised from death the same power that God's ready and willing to make available to you here and now, today, in your need? And is that power not sufficient to deliver you? First, he is the God of creation. Second, he is the God of history. My help, David writes, cometh from Jehovah the Lord, In other words, from Israel's God, the God of Isaac, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our forebears, the God of all history and the God of eternity. There is no wiser, more experienced and capable helper in the world or outside of it right now. Thirdly, he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God whose concern for us is expressed in his commitment to us. Our God is not a far off God, but one who is very near. In Jesus Christ long ago, God reached out and reached down to touch our fallen world with his healing power. And still today, the length of his reach is as great as the depth of our need. And I can promise you two things for certain. First, that those who turn to him will not be disappointed. And second, that right now, he isn't far away. God bless you.
2: Today, in our churches, we shall be hearing about the work of Clackmannanshire Women's Aid. And we bring the special needs and concerns of their staff and volunteers before you this morning. Let us pray. God of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ, you promise to hear us when we pray to you in his name. Confident of your love and mercy, we offer our prayers. Empower the church throughout the world in its life and witness. Break down the barriers that divide and being united in your truth and love, the church may confess your name, share one baptism, sit together at one table, and serve you in one common ministry. Guide the rulers of the nations, move them to set aside their fears, greed, and vain ambition, and bow to your sovereign rule inspiring them to strive for peace and justice, that all your children may dwell secure, free from war and injustice. Hear the cries of the world's hungry and suffering, and give to us who consume most of the world's resources, the will to reorder our lives, that all may have their rightful share of food medical supplies and shelter. Restore among us all a love of the earth you created for our home and help us to put an end to polluting its land, air and waters, giving us a new respect for all your creatures. Renew our nation in the ways of justice and peace guiding those who make and administer our laws to build a society based on trust and respect. Erase prejudices that oppress. Free us from crime and violence. Guard our youth from the perils of drugs and materialism. Strengthen our local congregations in their work witness and worship, filling our hearts with your self-giving love, that our voices may speak your praise and our lives conform to the image of your Son. Look with compassion on all who suffer and support with your love those unjustly imprisoned or denied dignity, those who live without hope, those who are homeless or abandoned. Loving God, we lift all victims of abuse to you, asking you to give them your love and protection. We seek your courage and strength, so we can speak up against all forms of violence inflicted upon your precious people. Help us to see situations where violence in all its forms, physical, verbal and mental abuse, is taking place. And give us wisdom to know how to act. Heavenly Father, we lift every girl and young woman to you who has suffered or witnessed violence. And pray for justice in each of these situations and provision of a safe place where they can experience healing. Sustain those among us who need your special healing touch at this time. Make the sick whole again. Give hope to the dying and comfort to those who mourn. And uphold all who suffer in body or mind, not only those we know and love personally, but also those known only to you. That they may know the peace and joy of your supporting care. God, in your loving purpose, answer our prayers and fulfil our hopes, for we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.